Welcome to another episode of Going Back, Back, Back. As usual, it is I, Brian Gay, and with me is my co-host, Tom Young. Hey, Brian, we're back with another episode for all of you listeners out there. We're going to recap sports stories from November 5th to November 11th, uh, touch on the MLB awards as they were just released, and look at, see who we might think win them, give a recap of NFL Week 8, look ahead to Week 9, and like I said, last episode, we're going to look back on our preseason predictions in the NFL, see how they are currently looking. Also, if we can fit into the episode, touch on some NBA and NHL action. Now, Brian, as we always do to kick off the show, we're going to start with a sports fact. I love random ones, so this one is pretty random. Sure. You were at Wrigley Field this year, correct? Yeah, one of the greatest stadiums I've ever been to, which is so cool. So this one is pointed at Wrigley Field itself. Um, There was a college football game at Wrigley Field this weekend played by Iowa and Northwestern. Brian, do you know the final score by chance? No clue. So it was Iowa 10, Northwestern 7. I had a feeling it was going to be like a baseball score. So with that said, there was six baseball games with a higher combined score this past baseball season with the Cubs and Reds scoring 29 runs being the highest on August 1st and the lowest beating out the Iowa Northwestern game was an 11-8 to game between the Cubs and Giants on September 5th. So basically, so more than 17 combined runs, you're saying? Yes. I I saw that I was at one of those. The Phillies did it to the Nationals back in uh, it was nineteen to four. At one point, um, what this year you're saying? This year, yes, sir. Uh, they beat up on them. Now this is fun. strictly a Wrigley Field. Oh, strictly event. Wrigley Field. Yeah, there was strictly more. Wrigley oh, Field. I thought you just meant baseball as a whole. I was like, I mean, seventeen runs is a lot, but nope. So we had Cubs All Reds right. on August first, like I mentioned. April eleventh, there was Cubs Mariners fourteen to nine. August second. Next day after that previous one, Cubs Red 16 to 6. Wow, that's impressive. 36 runs over two games. <laughs> Yikes. Um, July 18th, Cubs 17, Nationals 3. September wow, 20th. The Nationals got beat up on a few times this year then. Yeah, shows how poor they are. Um, oh. Pirates 13, Cubs 7. And then the 11 8 game I mentioned earlier as well. Huh. And then you trickle down, you get to Iowa 10, Northwestern 7. That's hilarious. So I'm not much of a college football fan, but I found this one to be pretty cool. Neither am I, but it's just a fun fact. Um, again, it just brings into how wild and weird baseball can be. Um, and just sports in general. Yeah, sports as a whole. And the people that sit here and figure this shit out, just <laughs> like who gets who's doing this and figuring out these facts? Um, Not I. I have a day job. Listen, I, I would love that to be my day job. Hey, Brian, we need you to go find the most obscure facts about this midseason Iowa State uh, Oklahoma State matchup. Tell me who the third string tight end's older brother is and when he played against so-and-so. It's just like, all right, I got you. I'll figure it out. That would be a fun day job. I mean, not that I'm mad about my current day job, but. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, but sports facts all day? Sign me up. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So, guys, keep listening so that we can quit our jobs and do this full-time. I know you want more. Uh, you obviously want more. Want to hear more of us. There's at least 10 of you that come back every week. Yeah, we appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> a solid 10 of you out there we love you oh, we sure do so tom how you doing buddy i'm doing good um another day back here recording another episode with you brian sure um so i know we unfortunately did not get to the world series as phillies fans but there no, are some mlb awards that were just announcing all the finalists um like mvp cy young rookie of the year managers stuff like that brian yeah where do you stand where do you think things are going to be going as far as the awards go this this season well first and foremost i was most salty about just seeing that they announced that of the there's the three finalists for each award in the uh national league mvp race you have 
Ronald Acuna, which obviously we all knew that when you put up a 40 and 70 season for the first time in baseball history, um, you're in the conversation. But what gets me is the next two, which are Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Now, the way I look at this, and maybe I'm I might be in the minority on this opinion, but if there's two of you in that conversation, you're like you're not even one of you is not even the most valuable player on your own team. How can you be? I just don't think that but there should be two guys from the same team up for MVP. Now, I'm not saying that as a salty uh, Phillies fan. I don't think any of our guys were uh, worthy of being in the conversation for the year. I just feel like if there's a debate over if one of you is the, is the better one on your own team, then clearly one of you is not even in the running for MVP. Yeah, you're kind of canceling each other out. Yeah. What's, what's the point? You might be like co, co-MVPs, but... I mean, I in my opinion, I feel like this is Ronald Acuna through and through. I think when you do something as ridiculous as he did, uh, just the 41 home runs, 73 steals, um, 149 runs scored, 217 hits. His OBP was 416. Um, three-time NL Player of the Month. I, I think it's, in my opinion, it's only right that this man should win MVP. I hate the Braves, uh, but he's unbelievable. Yeah, no arguments for me. I had him on my fantasy baseball team this year, so it was great to watch it day in, day out, <laughs> just him racking up points I'll for say, me. Did that pay off for you? Ultimately leading to a fantasy championship. There we go. One league. Had a boy, Tommy. Was ecstatic about it, not that any of these listeners care, but, you know. Hey, because fantasy baseball is thrilling. Let me tell you, as somebody who's tried it twice, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's a, definitely a commitment. I mean, you're committed to probably 140 games when you make it to the championship like that from <sighs> – I don't know. Let's, let's just say April 1st. And he was on the golf course the whole damn time. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough <laughs> life I live over here. Recording podcasts, drinking beer, and doing fantasy sports while That's it. That's golf. all he does. He has nothing else going on in his life, I no, promise. Not a full-time job. I don't uh, know what that is. So. <laughs> no, but on a serious note, it, it has to be Acuna. Um, yeah, I don't there's, think any question. I mean, the only other guy that you could potentially throw in this top three would be Matt Olson because of the season he had, but then it just goes back to the argument yeah. that you just made with yeah. Acuna and Olson. I don't think there was really anyone else. I mean, pitchers, I don't think pitchers ever really win the Cy Young. That's rare. Clint yeah. Kershaw, I think, was the last one in 2015, maybe. I believe um, you're right. So, like, the thing is, I, I think you're 100% correct, is I don't know who else would be in this conversation. So it makes sense that, because both Betts and Freeman – not to knock on the seasons they had. They both had amazing seasons. But the fact that you both play for the same team, I think part of MVP needs to be how important you were to your team and where you went. Neither of these teams went very far. Shout out the Braves fumbling that bag. Um, but I think that it just makes the case more and more for Acuna without needing to do any. Like I'll be pretty, uh, I'd be pretty upset if he doesn't win it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be upset. I mean, I would. I think it's a travesty if he doesn't. Yeah, I think I would be more shocked than upset yeah, just because that's I'm fair. a Braves fan. That's um, fair. Now, I would say Mookie Betts might be more valuable to the Dodgers just because of how many positions he plays on defense. Yeah. He and plays the, like right, center, second, and even played some shortstop this year. The Braves do have a very loaded lineup. Um, whereas, honestly, the Dodgers, like they have a, it's a good lineup. And when I'm did, surprised they won over 100 games this year. The Dodgers? Yes. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. That kind of came out of, I don't want to say nowhere. Obviously, they have the great track record spanning over a decade at this point yeah but i mean they lost so much starting pitching throughout the year like julio rios ended up getting suspended again they lost uh let's see dustin may clayton kershaw was hurt for a bit just as is tradition at this point in his career i feel like he always misses some time um walker bueller was out all year so they relied a lot on young arms and it kind of worked for them they did a lot of like 
bullpen games on top of that too, but it's strange how they just won 100 games. It's like they do it every year and you do blink and you're not shocked anymore at this point. I mean, yeah, they're just consistently solid. I mean, just looking at their statistics, like, again, these dudes, both dudes have a very reasonable case for MVP. I mean, the fact that the t- lowered the two batted 307, um, which would be bets when uh, Freeman batted th- 331 with 90 extra base hits. Uh, 59 doubles missed by any player since 1936 for Freddie Freeman. Great player. I hated to see him him go to the Dodgers. Um, just I don't like uh, the Dodgers are like to me kind of like the they started this trend of being like the new Yankees out west. Where remember the Yankees through under the Stein uh, the Steinbrenners? How do you not remember? Just seem to purchase anyone they want through money around like yeah, it's spending nothing. like 500 million in an off season like and it was nothing. Yeah, and then once Steinbrenner passed, you know, I think that that trend kind of fell off a little bit. I mean, there was obviously big contracts going around, but then all of a sudden, you started seeing teams juice their payroll again. Uh, I mean, I mean, the Padres did it, the Phillies did it, the Rangers are doing it. Um, Somehow the Braves aren't because they have all those low. They have these all these guys on amazing deals. Yeah, super team friendly. Eight eight years, a hundred million dollars. Meanwhile, you know, you're paying that in three four years for. Bryce Harper, who apparently supposedly wants another extension. Have you seen, have you heard these rumors going around? I have not. I don't know how he could get an extension. He's going to be like on the team until he's like, like 40 or 41. Yeah, he apparently wants to play well into his 40s, he's, they're saying. Um, hey, well, good for him. I mean, if he can yeah. keep it up, he's what, 30 or 31 at this point? Yeah. So, 31, I believe. If we can get another 10 plus years out of Bryce Harper and get. Let's just say seventy-five percent of the contributions he's doing now yeah. is forty or older. I'll gladly take that in like the sixth sure. lineup. But you're like three years, what three years into your contract here? Like, I and you have eight years left. Let's pump the brakes. I don't know. Ten, what? Yeah, ten years left? It's a, thir- yeah, it a thirteen-year th- contract. Thirteen-year deal. Correct. So is he? And he's in the third year of that, or is this the fourth year? I think this was year this, four. This might have been four. Yeah, twenty eighteen for some reason. Twenty nineteen rings a bell. Um, but also, so back to my. We'll bump over to the AL, the AL MVP while you're looking that up. Yeah, he um, signed with the Phillies in 2019, so this was his fourth year okay. as a Philly. So he's got nine years left on that contract. Let's pump the brakes on an extension, dog. Let's see how you age and hold up. Let's get a World Series first. Yeah, for sure. Then you can ha- literally have whatever you want. Um, AL MVP is the same conversation. It's the same kind of boat that we have in the NL. Um, obviously, first and foremost is Otani, who, I mean, again, just – uh, freak there's he's a unicorn we've never seen anything like him in baseball um i think that he's like just an undoubted mvp candidate as long as he keeps up his level his level of play yeah, as long as he's healthy he doesn't even have to both pitch and hit as he's, long an, as he's healthy. yeah he's an outright mvp candidate just at the plate but then when you take into the fact that he threw 132 innings to a 184 opposing batting average 3.14 era and 167 strikeouts filthy and then you get into the middle infield for the Rangers. And, well, Corey Seager, is he playing short? Uh, he's, he's playing short for them, right? He is playing short okay. And Simeon is Simeon at is second place. place. Yeah. So the fact that you're middle infield are the other two MVP candidates, I mean, makes sense. You guys won the World Series. They have uh, developed and built, a, well, not developed, they have built a hell of a roster down there. They paid for a heck of a roster. Yeah. Um, now, whether it is a regular season war, keep that in mind so the postseason doesn't shouldn't have any implication on sure. it. Sure. Um but yeah, it's it's Otani. I th- yeah. I, I don't th- think there's much of a discussion here. No. It is all. what it is. Like he he is the best player in baseball. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, best player in baseball. Dude, to the point where like I play against him in the show and I get pumped when I strike him out just because he's so freaking good. Uh, <laughs> that has to be exciting for yeah, you. Dude. Oh yeah, we got him. Now um, here would have just say here's an interesting question for you, Brian. Mm-hmm. If he was traded to a national league team at the trade deadline this pe- past season, would you have considered him for MVP discussion Ooh. in the NL? I think you just give him MVP of the league. Would he win <laughs> both awards? You just negate you just negate the awards entirely, and Shohei Otani is just MVP of baseball. That's an interesting discussion. We don't need to dive too much into that. <laughs> Man, tonight. that would be a that'd be a twist. I feel like I don't know how he would do it. I don't know if he's technically eligible for both because it'd be one thing if he was traded at like the eighty-two game mark and he evenly split the season between two. Yeah, I think you could then say he's eligible for both, but. I don't know, man. I just don't. Now, I know. So, I saw this stat come up the other day, or I guess another random sports fact, but Joe Thornton of the NHL is the only player to start the season on one team and finish it on another and win MVP of the league. So, he was starting. He went from Boston to San Jose? I think it was Boston to, yeah, to San Jose. Okay, that makes sense. MVP that year. That makes sense. Wow. So, it's never happened any other time in any other sport. I well, because guys think that caliber don't move teams that often. Mid-season. Yeah, especially midseason. Like, yeah, that ne- it shouldn't happen. I don't know what Boston was doing. I saw a clip come out, like from a former Boston Bruins player on a podcast, and he was talking about it. And the players like approached the GM and coach, are like, "What the heck are you doing? Like, you yeah. just traded the best player in the league. Like, why?" And the GM <laughs> just stood there and just like looked at him, couldn't say anything. Like, how do you rationalize that type of trade? You, you don't. You don't. It's a uh, Business decision, I guess, to some extent, but I don't know. I don't agree with that. It seems like an off-season type of trade you should be doing. Yeah. Capitalize on the yeah, return not, you get. Mid, yeah. No, no, that's bad. Don't like it. Don't love to see it. Um, so, uh, obviously, Otani, are we pretty well in unison with Okuni and Otani? Yeah, I don't have uh, any disagreement there. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any. I, again, nothing against the seasons the other four had. They all had great seasons, but I just think the two other guys are just, I mean, they're doing things that we've never seen before. Both of them. Acuna literally has never... Yeah, there's never been a 40-70 season, and no one has pitched as well as Otani and hit at the same time. Not even Babe Ruth. Yeah. Well, now I think the more heated races definitely come in the next category, which would be the Cy Young. Yeah, I think National League Cy Young is over American League. I don't think anyone's beating out Garrett Cole in the AL. I that's fair. I don't disagree with me there, Brian. But no, that's fair. To me, it's Cole. If Otani stayed healthy throughout the year and pitch through the end of the season, maybe he's in that discussion and could take down both MVP and Cy Young. But to me, it's Garrett Cole in the National yeah, League. Yeah, for sure. It is surprising that one of these guys is not on there, and that is Spencer Strider. Strider. I was really surprised to see that his name was not on there. I mean, I I guess Logan Webb would come off for me. Blake Snell had the lowest ERA in baseball, so he stays on. Gallon had a good year, but... It's crazy uh, how Snell walked as many guys as he did. Yeah, most that, in the league. That leads to another discussion that we can save for a Phillies offseason preview. But yes, it would be cool to see him in red pit stripes. Because there is a rumor that was started today by Howard Eskin saying that the Phillies will, will most not likely not Aaron resign Aaron Nola. And it almost seems like their preferred target is Blake Snell. I just think he... But we don't need to get too yeah. off track here and go down no, the Phillies. I agree. Um, so when it comes to the... Uh, I see. I th- I think I, maybe my view of Gallon is kind of skewed with the fact that the Phillies did kind of tee off on him, and granted that was the playoffs. Um, but I don't know. I just 
this list doesn't. And no one jumps out at me. As no, like, that's a, I, I mean, a winner like the AL Cy Young. Yeah, I think when you look at the numbers, I think it's got to be Blake. In my opinion, I think that I think any again, this is one any of these three could easily win it. Now, to me, I don't like just because you're striking out so many guys, but he walks so many guys. He rarely pitches past the sixth inning. Yeah, and I think that probably. Is a reason why his ER rate is lower too, because he's only getting through lineups twice, twice, Maybe. sometimes three, three at most, because yeah. he does put so many guys on. Like, yeah, the strikeout numbers are great, but the walk numbers are, wow, bad. And then the innings pitches is not there compared to where other guys are. That's fair. You make a very valid point. I honestly, I don't like have a solid pick for this because like each guy kind of makes their own. Kind of because then you get Webb, who's kind of the opposite of Snell. Who, granted, Webb did check out a lot of batters as well, 194. So and he like, pitches deep into games too. I know he had a thing. couple complete yeah. games this he, season. Final game of this final start of the season was a complete game. He was the most durable starter in baseball. Pitched 216 innings over 33 starts. Um, struck out 194 hitters, but like the thing is, the dude pumped strikes. So he had a 3.6 percent walk rate. Which is outstanding. You know, lowest in the National League. And a 62.7% ground ball rate. Yeah, there's a lot of sinkers. Yeah. Sinkers and, like, sliders, sweepers, curveballs. Yeah, creating tons of harmless contact. Like, because as cool as it is to strike dudes out, like, you need to let guys hit the ball, at least put the bat on the ball to get out of innings quicker. If not, you just build up that pitch count. Yeah. Like, I feel like with Blake Snow, whenever you watch him, he's always, like, nibbling on corners or just, like, Missing because he's trying to throw a fastball. Too Great far. strikeout pitcher, but that's where the walks come into play. Is when you're trying to sit around the corners the, yep. the whole time, uh, you're bound to you're bound to draw some walks. So, Tom, who's your pick? I mean, I don't agree with it, but it's going to be Blake Snell. That's just my thought. I think that's where it's going to go you know, because of his ERA being low. ERA being low, and yeah, I mean, it's not like the Padres did a whole lot this year. That shouldn't come into account when you're picking who was the best pitcher. Yeah. The Yankees didn't do a whole lot either. And I'm with Garrett Cole, I mean, but I think it's still going to yeah. be Blake Snell either way. Oh, yeah. I'm with you there. So, And then, obviously, on the other side, I mean, you got Cole, Gossman, and Gray. I think this one's a pretty clear cut. Garrett Cole. Yeah. No need to. There's really, not even really a conversation to have with that. It's just, it is what it is. No need to expand on it any further. Rookie of the year. Again, another one. Uh, National League Rookie of the Year, I feel like, again, is very much um, pretty clear cut. Corbin Carroll. Yeah, Corbin James Carroll. Outman or Kode Senga. I mean, Senga pitched well coming over from Japan and pitching for the Mets, but Outman, he was not an everyday player at times throughout the season, so it's surprising he's on the list. I guess I kind of thought maybe one of the Reds players would have snuck on there, like a Matt McLean or a Ellie De La Cruz, or even like a Spencer Steer, I think, if it was his rookie or maybe it was his second. But yeah. Corbin Carroll I don't think was going to be beat for – this no matter what i mean maybe if the reds went on like a deep postseason run like the diamondbacks did yeah but they didn't make the postseason so corbin carroll sticks out there and i know how much you like corbin carroll so i, don't think I do be any disagreement well, coming from you bro. no i'm a big time corbin carroll fan i think that he plays a great game i mean as a rookie to have 25 homers and 54 stolen bases um and then to add tri- double digit triples on top of that uh first player to ever do that um i just think he's really something else and when you watch him and you watch his approach at the plate and whatnot, like he doesn't go up there swinging for home runs. He's looking to put the ball in play, and if it goes out, it goes out. And the fact that he has the pop to do that as a kid. He has that effortless power. Yeah. He's someone who 
I hope his game ages well. Um, and the fact that this is only his first year. Yeah, his um, first full season. I found it a, hard to dislike the Diamondbacks while we played them. I just feel like they have some fun young talent. Um, they're a scrappy bunch who, like, I don't know, they're resilient. And I think he's a big part of that. 100% agree. It was um, his first full season. He had a cup of coffee the year before, coming up in like late August yeah. and into September, which I think helps those younger guys really propel themselves for that full season next year, getting ideas like what the day in, day out is like in the MLB compared to minor oh, yeah. leagues. Um, so with that said, let's shift over to the American League, Brian. We got Tanner Beebe sure. of the Guardians, Tristan Cassis of the Red Sox, and Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles. Again, I don't think there's any discussion here besides who it will be. It's Gunnar Henderson. Yeah, that was going to be my <laughs> we've For these picks episodes we've done, you and I have never agreed on so many. I just think he, yeah, clear cut. I mean, it, again, num- the numbers don't lie here. Um, That's a ne- another very fun and exciting team. Are those Baltimore Orioles? Oh, yeah. Bright future. Um, they were what, Best. the one seed, I think, in the... Yeah, unfortunate ending to, to their season. by the Rangers. But they have the best farm system in baseball. Yeah, Jackson uh, Holiday might be on the team next season, which is crazy. They just drafted he was him. drafted two years ago. <laughs> yeah. last, last yeah, the last, Not this year, but the year before, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, so he was like 19 years old playing AAA baseball. I mean, you got Hun- Henderson, you got Rutschman. I mean, there's just so much really good quality talent down there. Um, uh, yeah, Baltimore's going to be a fun team. I think Gunner definitely wins it. And now the manager of the year conversation um, is where things really take an interesting turn. Um, one, I am a little salty that we didn't see uh, Topper on here, but uh, the guys that made it definitely made it for a reason. For the National League, you got uh, Skip Schumacher with uh, the Florida Marlins, Miami Marlins, Brian Snicker of the Braves, and then the interesting conversation, Craig Council of the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, uh, I don't know who I would pick here. I feel like it, this one's wide open. I feel like any three could win it. I don't know if I would give it to Snicker just because the Braves were so good and they've been good the past couple of years. Look at the talent he's working with. I'm, right. My my pick would be Schumacher. That's probably. right. I'd be leaning too, but I have a feeling it's probably going to end up in Milwaukee with Craig Council, which is awkward. You mean Chicago? <laughs> he is now no longer in Milwaukee and with the Chicago Cubs. Well, I didn't realize that he was technically a free agent. I didn't realize that managers yes. managers in baseball worked that way, to be honest. Yeah, they um, they get contracts I just like that players. Makes sense, so but he, was, he was a lame duck manager, per se. And the Brewers let him interview other places. And out of nowhere, the Cubs came in and signed him without even firing David Ross first. Yes. Because the news came out. They announced it simultaneously, I believe. Yeah. So the news came out the other day that um, I forget who is now the manager of the Mets. That's on me. I think Mendoza. Somebody Mendoza. I'm not familiar with his name. name. He was a bench coach for them. Um, So the thought was that since David Stearns, the former like base head of baseball operations with the Brewers, went to the Mets, that there was the, the obvious tie that Craig Council would now become the Brewers manager. So there was no thought of anywhere else. Yeah, everything really was like New York. Everything was honed in on him heading to the Mets, and so that guy got hired by the Mets, yeah. and then a report comes out like five minutes later, saying that Craig Council will be head. A manager for another team, but that team has a current manager. So that then took out like the Padres and the Astros because both of those teams do not have managers at this time. Um, oh, okay. Retired. Yep. And Bob Melvin is now the manager of the San Francisco Giants. Okay. Yep. And then Cleveland Guardians, they announced Stephen Vogt, former catcher in the MLB, as their manager. Take it over for Francona. Yep. So yep. then it's like, well, where is Council going to go? Shortly thereafter, 
It's announced he is signing with the Chicago Cubs. Um, five years, $40 million. He's going to make more money as a manager for those Cubs than he did as a baseball player. Yeah, and I think the craziest part of it all was he had spent the past 17 years in the Brewers organization and then uh, he, and grew up a Brewers fan. He's from, he's from Wisconsin, grew up a Brewers fan. And I guess so based on what I read earlier with the way it unfolded, was he asked for permission to just test the market. He asked to test the market, and they said, yeah, you, you don't do that. Turns out, at least what I, re- what I read on through ESPN, is that they offered him the same contract, if not better, than the one the Cubs offered him. So my question is, why did he go there? But then it occurs to me that I think he might be interested in managing a team it's not so frugal, and he might yeah, because like, the Brewers don't really ever spend money. No, they are a team that develops and develops well, um, and they trade them at like the height of their career before they pick up more assets. A free agent, and like do they do with Josh Hader. Yep. So it would not surprise me if Corbin Burns is traded this offseason. Brandon Woodruff will not be available. He is having some sort of shoulder surgery that's going to knock him out for the season. Ugh. Freddie Peralta, maybe he's available, but he's under team control for a few more I would years compared seeing, to Corbin uh, Burns. Dombrowski take a swing at a Corbin Burns. That'd be awesome. So long, Andrew Painter. But again, <laughs> yeah, we can real. do an off-season preview yes, wish list of the Phillies. Um, we don't need to get distracted. But yeah, Craig Council, I think as more of that story comes out and as more details come out, I'm very interested to see what the motivation was. And at the, like I feel like at the expense of David Ross, I feel like he was very popular, at least as far as I know. Um, he was a pretty popular guy in Chicago. Yeah, it seemed like the players liked playing for him, too. Yeah, and I mean, like, in real reality, a baseball manager only does so much. Now, the and last time that the Cubs did this, they had Rick Renteria as head coach, and they um, Joe Madden became available. They ended up going on to win the World Series that upcoming season. That's fair. So maybe they're hoping for some similar... Well, they're going to have to make some moves, because that roster is not winning a World Series yet. No, um, but they, they're close. Yeah, they got some talent, but they need to make something happen. But yeah, I think Shoemaker, uh, Schumacher, is going to win it. Um, I just think it makes sense, you know, uh, with the way my, Miami um, says here that they had a 15 winning increase over 2022, uh, and it was their first non-shortened winning season since 2009. Um, so, uh, you know, good for them. Yeah. Now, before we get on to the NFL here, Brian, what do you think about the AL Manager of the Year? Um, so you got Bruce Bochy with the Rangers, Kevin Cash with the Rays, or Brandon Hyde with the Orioles. I would personally say Brandon Hyde. That's fair. I like, you know, maybe this is just the baseball historian in me. I just, I'd love to see Bochy, Bochy win it. Um, I feel like he's just a consummate baseball guy. He's been around the game so long, took the this Rangers team to the World Series, and they won it, obviously. Yeah, after losing 100 games two years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, four-time World Series uh, champion manager at this point. First time he's won a World Series on a non-even year. Interesting. Before it was 2010, 2012, 2014 with the Giants. Well, this would also, if he were to win it, it would be the second time he's ever won the award. First time he won it was his second season as a major league skipper in 96 with the Padres. I don't know. I just think, for me, he's a class baseball guy. He did a great job with that team down there this year. And sure my did. vote is Bruce. I, again, all three guys, very, very valuable, um, viable cases. Hyde and what he's done with the Orioles, who also have just been awful. And the 48 comeback victories is a pretty interesting stat. Um, uh, Yeah, I, I don't know. I want to see Bochy win it, but I think Hyde probably has the best case with what he did with the ba- Baltimore. 
and the season they had for the first time, you know, the best season they've had in years. Yeah, postseason excluded, I would say Hyde, but obviously yeah. with the – it shouldn't matter, but since Bruce Bochy took the Rangers to the World Series and ultimately won it, it's hard to argue what happened and how he changed the culture down there Yeah, and brought them that title, their first in franchise history. So I could see Bochi, I could see Hyde. I don't see Kevin Cash winning it. He seems like the long shot, in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. So if it is Hyde, great. Happy for him. If it's Bochi, happy for him as well. I don't have a horse in the race, so whoever wins, good for them. Yeah, Congrats. good for you. Just uh, some hard way to, to take home for you. Um, but, you know, I think the thing with guys like that, they don't care about the personal accolades. They want to see their team take you uh, See their team go all the way and play great ball. So, and for Bochy, that's what happened this year. So, congrats to the Rangers. Yeah, shout out World Bruce. Series champion. Shout out Bruce Bochy. All right, NFL. Uh, you know, I think it's probably just a good time to take our break. When we come back, we will talk NFL before we get into our stories for the afternoon or for the evening or for whenever you're listening to this podcast in the bath, whatever it may be. Yeah, in the morning, whatever <laughs> on your way to work. <laughs> so yeah, we'll uh, we'll take a quick break here, refill these brewskis. Hear a word from our sponsors. And Tom and I will be right back. This episode of Going Back, Back, Back is brought to you by Rucci Heating and Cooling LLC, located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. For all of your heating, air conditioning, and plumbing needs, call the professionals today at 484-849-1015. Rucci Heating and Cooling LLC, the one-stop call for your business and or home. Call them again at 484-849-1015. We're back talking football. Um, we haven't really touched on football a whole lot for the fact that we are halfway through the NFL season. No, so I feel like tonight would be a good time to review our preseason picks, Brian. <laughs> yeah, these uh, I don't remember most of mine. Um, one of them I can, I never affect, um, but mine are not looking good. I can tell you that. So let me guess, you had the Bills factored in somewhere? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a jo- <laughs> definitely a Josh Allen MVP pick, which, hey, I'll defend that case if the team was actually winning games. If they were winning games, I think he'd be the no doubt front runner. But all right, so let's do a quick gonna... recap of sure. what we got here for our divisional winners, and then we'll jump over to the end of season awards like MVP and Super Bowl winners. Um, so AFC East, um, I took the Bills, and that's just not looking good. You did go with the Bills, and yeah. I happen to go with the Dolphins. Now I feel like this is kind of wide open because, in my opinion, the Dolphins. They are not in, like, the great team category. They have not played well against two better defenses and lost in um, to the Eagles and Chiefs, and they also lost to the Bills. They correct? did. They sure did badly, too. The, the thing is, they, they're getting beat up on by the by the good teams, or who at least they're supposed to be the good teams. Right. And then they are beating Humbling up the on the bad teams, which is kind of... I think what we all anticipated with them, to some extent, at least the beating up on bad teams. I mean, they're having a heck of a year, though. I mean, Tyree Kill. Yeah, the offense is humming along. It's the defense. Can they stop people? And then if the offense faces a good defense, what do they do? Because it hasn't been much yet. Miami hasn't had a good... Miami has had some some decent offenses um, over the years, but they haven't really had a good defense since the Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas era. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Ramsey is now healthy. We'll see if yeah, that plays a part. That should play a pretty major part on the on the opposite side of Xavier uh, oh Howard. Xavier yeah, Howard had lost the name there for a second. Um, realistically, 
I feel like it's between those two teams for the division. I don't see the Jets coming back from anything. Although they're, I don't understand their offense. Like they got to let Zach Wilson like roll out of the pocket and throw yeah. the ball, and like he's, mo- he's a up. mobile quarterback. You need to move. But when they move, run like the slow plays, like huddle up after every possess- after every down, and then don't allow him to get out and like be mobile and activate himself like outside yeah. the pocket. They struggle mightily as an offense. Well, that's exactly what's happening in Buffalo. That's exactly the same thing, and it's really irritating. I can only imagine that Jets fans are frustrated because that defense looks phenomenal. The Jets typically have not given up a ton of points. I know they got kind of got roasted by the Chargers last night. Yeah, but it wasn't because of the you know defense. There was a punt return for a touchdown. I didn't watch it, so I I didn't either. I just I saw just, the highlights because I, I needed twenty like twenty not even twenty points. I need like fourteen points from Justin Herbert. No, I don't even want to talk fantasy football. My team he just, lost my matchup for me, so. My teams are really just take, tanking on me. Swift kicking the cup is not playing, doing well. The Henry Ruggs driving academy is just really just crashing and burning. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Let's that move was, on to the AFC North before yeah, we was, let that one marinate. I'll let that one uh, So we both picked the simmer. Bengals in the AFC North who are not who did not look good to start the season because no, of Joe Burrow injury, but he looks healthy again. And come on strong. win Sunday night in Cincinnati over your Buffalo yeah. Bills, Brian. The Bengals look much better and... I think they will chase down the Ravens at the end of the season here and take over the division. The Ravens do look pretty good. I don't think that I, I don't know. They don't like worry me though, but again, it's like a good defense. They have a very good defensive unit that's coming together and playing very good football. The offense is looking solid. Lamar's throwing the ball pretty well. Um, but I don't know, man. The whole the AFC North is really confusing to be honest. Or yeah. Very confusing to be honest right now with um, like the like the Steelers are what, they're five, five and three. Yeah, so the Ravens are atop the division at seven and two, and then the other three teams are all at five and three. Yeah. Um. Wait, isn't it five and four now? Isn't, isn't this week nine? Maybe five and three for the Steelers at least. You know, so, you, so some teams they have had the buy, other teams yeah. have not. Either so. way, the Steelers like don't look good at all. But yeah, they're winning games. It's good defense. Yeah, Good defense. They've only given up 163 points, but the Ravens, they've only given up 124 points. Yeah, the Ravens' defense is looking scary. And um, they scored 239. I think the Bengals can definitely move up to give them a real good run for their money, but if the Ravens keep doing what they're doing, the, the AFC North runs through, and potentially the AFC runs through Baltimore. So, um, Because then you know you move out west, and the Chiefs really don't look, I really don't look that good. Again, they're winning games because they have the right guys in the right places, and yeah, and they have Patrick Mahomes. You're going to win a lot of games because of him. <laughs> yeah, they don't look very they don't look very good. So, and then Spagnol, he always can draw up a good defense, against which is interesting because sometimes they're awful. Um, like historically, sometimes his defenses have been very bad, but they're playing very well for him this year. So, with that said, Brian, I had the Chiefs as a division winner. You had the Chargers. So, the Chargers right now they are sitting at four and four, two games yeah. back of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Um. Again, just team that's not putting it together fully. I feel like they're all again offense clicks, defense falls apart, bad coaching. Yeah, Brandon Staley. I don't know how much longer he'll be the coach of the Chargers, especially no. if they falter again. They this have year. too much talent to not be like. Unfortunately, they did lose Mike Williams to an ACL injury, yeah. and then Joshua Palmer. He's on IR right now. Hey, Should Quentin Johnson, this year. fantasy owner, stand up. Just kidding. He's been. Yeah, I mean that's what kind of what you can <laughs> expect from a rookie from time to time. It yeah. Takes a couple couple games more than a couple games sometimes to click for sure but he was only so 
I was listening to the game, I think it was the week before when the Chargers were on primetime, one of the primetime games. I think it was a Sunday night game. And apparently Quentin Johnson only used to, like, line up on the left side of the field. So, like, him lining up on, like, the right side of the field this year has been, like, somewhat of a challenge, and he's still getting used to it. All of his routes are based off of being on the other side of the field. Right. So, I can see how that can take some time, but, like, it's mind-boggling. You only line up on the one side of the field. But we don't need to discuss that much further. Let's move down to the AFC South. Um, Brian, I had the Titans and you had the Jaguars, so you're looking. I'm looking good on that right one, now. and they look pretty freaking good too. Yeah, that, they're six and two. The thing is, they're doing what I kind of thought. Like I, they're doing what was the best case scenario of what I thought they could do personally, which is that offense starts to click. Trevor Lawrence looks like he's putting it together. Um, the Christian Kirk has been a good weapon for them. ATN's been playing well. Ridley is still getting in the swing of things, but he's really he's playing quite well for them. Yeah, and Zay Jones has been hurt, and I think that'll be another option for. Sure. And, and the Jaguars, Jaguars always seem to have a solid defense. They've given up 156 points so far. This yeah, year. but in the past, I feel like their problem is you can have the best defense in the league, but if your offense isn't scoring points and turning the ball over and four, uh, three and outs, a la the Jets right now. Yeah, um, there's only so much that you can do as a defense when you're on the field 15 times a game. That has to be frustrating to a defender, like. Absolutely, just like stifling the opposing team's offense, but then your offense can't do anything. And right, you get a three and out out of Patrick Mahomes, and then your team turns around and does the exact same, and you're like, and then eventually you give wasted. up like that score because they're like a good like punt return or something. And they have short field or yeah. the offense throws an interception or fumbles the ball. Yeah, you're and gassed because you didn't get a, an actual break. And yeah, and you're back out there five minutes later. Yeah, so uh, the Titans are three and five. They are at the bottom of the AFC South. That was kind of like a home run swing and everything kind of coming together on my end for them with Derek Henry kind of producing what he had done in the past. DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon yeah. Burks, and Tannehill staying healthy, but he has not now shifted to Will Levis. I feel like he they're reaping. Like he might have some potential. Yeah. He has some swagger out there watching him play against Pittsburgh on Thursday night, but I feel like they're reaping what they sowed. What they've sent with all of this, I mean, like sending AJ Brown out of town. Now you traded off Bayard. You've kind of you're definitely leaning into a rebuild at this a point. A true rebuild. I think it's only honestly, I'd be surprised if Derrick Henry's a Titan at, um, at the start of the next season. Obviously, it's too late now. The trade deadline has passed. Um, I have a pretty good feeling that he's going to want out. Um, he's not going to commit to a rebuild. Are you kidding me? No, not at <laughs> a this running point back in the arguably probably in the last couple of years of his career. Like, uh, at least years of heavy, decent usage, he's going to want to go somewhere where he gets a chance. Or, you know, I just think, yeah, they're headed for a full-on rebuild. But there's another team in that division that put up a heck of a performance that I think deserves some recognition and people don't talk about, and that would be the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud. He's looking awesome. Looking like the best of the rookies. Cost me a fancy matchup last week. Put up 60 points and oh I lost God. by five. 490 yards and five touchdowns, or 470 and five touchdowns or something like that, and... Yeah, I think it was like 400 yards and then like five touchdowns. It was, it was all, a two-point conversion. It was not shot, not too far shy of 500 yards. It was like it was a, f- a solid 470 or something. Um, For some reason, the number 395 is in my head. You're wrong. I'm uh, wrong. Let Tom. me look. I'll find this real quick here because I faced him last week. Uh, you're right. I'll eat my sock. So he had thir- he went 30 for 42, 470 yards, five right, touchdowns. You can eat my sock. So I last looked at it at 395 <laughs> yards and was like, all right, well, this is frustrating. Yeah. I and then Justin <laughs> Herbert goes and posts seven points for him oh, and I lose dude. by five. My fantasy teams are just horrendous. 
So that's how fantasy goes. That's uh, horrendous. It's I have awful. The, like third or fourth most points in the league, but I have the most points scored against me, and I have a losing record. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I, I lost Justin Jefferson in two of my four leagues, and he was averaging twenty five points a game. Yeah. Tough to replace. Good replacing that, that in a twelve, especially in a twelve team league. Like I got some depth, but when everyone's getting hurt, there's only so much you can do. Now Dallas Goddard broke his arm, and I'm just really like I'm in shambles over here. Well, speaking oh, well. of Dallas yeah, Goddard, let's head to the let's, NFC East. NFC East. That's Both pretty, of us picked the Eagles. Yeah, that's um, that's working out great. That's looking pretty good at this point. They are eight and one after the win this past Sunday against the Cowboys. Cowboys are five and three. Commanders four and five. Giants two and seven. Things are not going well for the Giants. I mean, no, no, Daniel yeah. Jones just towards ACL. Commanders, Sam Howell looks like he might have a promising future if they could just stop him from getting sacked all the time. Yeah, but they just sold off some major assets as well. Yeah, they got rid of uh, what, Montez Sweat and then Chase Young. I actually, so last up, last week we did talk about the trades of the two and how they got more for Sweat. But honestly, when you look at them on their stats and on yeah, paper, he's been the better player by a mile. Chase Young just had the higher pedigree. Chase Young doesn't even have 15 sacks in his NFL career. He's, he tore his ACL and like yeah, missed so over like, a full season. Yeah, so that definitely obviously adds into it. But like his just impact has not been there the same. And availability, as I've said a thousand times, and as uh, people in sports is your said best her, ability is your best ability. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the Eagles are running away with that. It'll be interesting. The Eagles kind of have a bit of a gauntlet coming up here. Yes, they um, do. They started that stretch this past week against the Cowboys, yep. which includes the Cowboys. They have a bye this week, and they face the Chiefs. The Bills are in there. Yep. The Cowboys again, the Seahawks, and I forget the sixth team, but it is a crazy stretch. Let me find I do think team. it's interesting. It's going to be interesting. So the Bills play badly on the road, so I'm kind the of 49ers. Not yeah, that's not great. Um, but I personally, I think the Eagles look vulnerable I just think that they're coming up with big plays when they need to, which is all you need. So, like, I don't think they're looking bad. They're eating one. Like, you're clearly not looking bad, but they're definitely vulnerable. Like, they haven't really blown the brakes off of anybody too much just yet. They're, they played a lot of close games, a lot of one-score, ten-point games. I mean, granted, those aren't close, but, yeah, like, like... My thing is they keep turning the ball over, yes, which is not great, and they're not getting the turnovers back on the other side. When you lose that turno- turnover battle... It usually doesn't bode well for you in the long run. So they definitely need to figure that out and stop putting the ball on the ground. Hopefully it can be being an Eagles fan because after the Phillies loss, I mean, I know I've said time and time again, I much prefer the Phillies, but it could be a nice pick me up if the Eagles can advance far into the postseason and win a Super Bowl. But we'll see. Or the the Sixers looking real good. They are too early to tell with the Sixers, but they are hey, a six, fun team six to watch right in. now. Joel Embiid just put up 48 last night. In 30 minutes. Good. Yeah, silly. Um, all right, so it's NFC East. Let's go uh, Let's go north. All right, NFC North. Currently, the Lions are 6-2 and two leading the division. Brian, neither of us had that. I had the Bears, which does not look great, as they the currently right. own the second and third overall picks in the draft. One courtesy of the Carolina <laughs> Panthers which they might be regretting that right about now. And then the third pick belongs to the Bears, their own pick. Did I pick the Vikings? You did. So the Vikings, Joshua Dobbs came in midweek, had to play this past Sunday. Great story, of, yeah. I think it was Jalen Hall, the rookie quarterback, suffered a Got concussion. Smoked. And Joshua Dobbs is on the sidelines. There's like video of him like teaching the lineman his cadence so they know how to you know, snap the ball, pay attention to what he's saying. Right, no, it's to expect of him. Yeah, and he, like, there was he another got, story. He didn't even know some of the guys' names on the well, team He didn't yet. get a single practice snap with them. Yeah, because he got traded on Wednesday. You probably get there Thursday. Like, it's just tough situation to be in, but the Lions, they look like the best team in that division 
I mean, to me, by far, one of the best teams in the NFC right now. I think it's without question that they yeah, are I think looking pretty I solid. Could, I mean, I think the Eagles are the number one seed and the I best mean, team yeah. in the NFC at the moment. The best team in football right and now. And then I think the next number two spot is up for debate between the Cowboys, Lions, and 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I, that's hilarious that we're saying that. Yeah, I mean, how if I said that to you, like, in the off season or even last year, like, the Lions is the potential number two team in the NFC. You I feel for the Lions. Crazy. Like, they're like kindred spirits for us Bills fans where, like, they just haven't had – but, I mean, they've had it worse than we have. Um, yeah, I remember they're the last team that had a uh, defeated season. And you remember watching the fans, like, with the paper bags showing up over the head, brown paper bags. Like, the fact that they went, tough o- times. they went 0-16 with Matt Stafford as their quarterback. And Calvin Johnson and Calvin on Calvin Johnson on your – yeah, what the – one of the best QB wide receiver combos in the past 20 years. And he went <laughs> in 16. Uh, Mind-boggling. But I think the Lions, they, times. they should hang on, assuming oh, they should is healthy, and, to win that division. And it looks like Jameer Gibbs is really kicking it into action. He might be really getting in the swing of things here. And But David Montgomery is expected back. So that's okay. They should Actually, give the ball more to Gibbs, but they're going to run Montgomery out there. Yeah, might as well put the tread on his tires first. Yeah. Um, no argument there. So you want to move down to the NFC South here, Brian? Let's go south. So I had the Falcons as the division winner. You had the Saints. Currently, the Saints are five and four, with the Falcons four and five, followed by the Bucks at three and five, and the Panthers one and six. This is a poverty division. There is it's, yeah, it's the worst division in football, and has been for years. I mean, even when Tom Brady like went down there to Tampa, the division as a whole sucked. I mean, then you had you had the Drew Brees led Saints for a number of years, but then no competition. Matt Ryan's Falcons are all right for a while. They should have a Super Bowl. I mean, I still can't get over the fact they uh, blew a twenty-eight to three lead in, the second, in what the third quarter. Yeah, the freaking Patriots. Um, mm. But yeah, that division just—it's just been bad. I mean, there's something I—I I don't know what it is about the South divisions because both South divisions have been historically like not great, both the AFC and NFC. I don't know if it's maybe just because there's no excuse at this point for the, the expansion um, conversation because. You're sure that you have some of the more recent expansion teams in those divisions, but it's been 20 plus 30 plus years now for both of them and the, the Jaguars and the Texans specifically, but I'm anti-expansion across all sports right now. Like I feel like there's plenty of teams in each one and I feel like poor the, enough teams in each. Yeah. Yeah. Too. There's like, we not don't enough to talent add. to keep adding. It's just, it's just unnecessary. It's just a money hungry grab by the owners because either way they're going to get paid because they all split like the share of the pie from like TV revenue. And yeah. Whatnot, yeah. but I, that's another topic for another. Day. I think the, the only league I believe I personally think that yeah, this is a different topic that can truly, um, and you're foreshadowing some of our sports history for tonight. Um, the NBA can afford it because your rear rosters are so small, and there is a lot of talent in basketball that's not in the NBA. So I feel like the NHL might be able to do it because of how much talent is overseas. Yeah, but like. I don't see how baseball or the NFL could afford to no, bring in any more rosters. Teams. Rosters are so big already as it is. Um, Unless you trim the roster sizes, but I don't see that can't happening. Do that. Can't do it. All right. Um, NFC West. NFC West. No surprise here. The Niners are leading the division. Yeah. They yeah. are five and three, but we, the Seahawks have a similar record at five and three. Um, Brian, crazy. both of us picked the Niners to win the division. So who would have thought a Geno Smith led Seahawks would be a threatening team in the, in the division high. i mean their numbers aren't as good as the niners niners have put up 218 points so far only allowed 140 but they are on a three-game losing streak um the seahawks they've scored 171 points and then allowed 171 
175. So that to me speaks of like a 500 team. Maybe you finish like nine and eight in the NFL. Now that we have a 17 game schedule, 10 and six, maybe. Yeah. But I don't see them doing much better than that. They probably get into the playoffs because of the poor landscape of the NFC. Yeah. Um, yeah, the NFC is, it's very middling. I mean, NFL football as a whole this year is very, there's no dominant team in the league. Usually there's one or two dominant teams. I like the Eagles are the best team in football. I wouldn't consider them to be dominant though. Like they, like I said, they've won a few games with the skin of their teeth and, you know, but I think it's good for parody in football and it's good for the fans, um, to see some, it's going to make for a very interesting playoff race more than anything. It sure will. I mean, there's only seven teams in the NFC to have a winning record. Everyone else has a losing record. There aren't even any teams at 500 at the moment. That's crazy. Uh, well, I'm interested to check back at the end of the season, see where we're at on that. But Tom, we are 50 minutes almost into this episode and haven't even touched the whole reason we're here, the sports history. Yeah, this is by far the longest we've gotten <laughs> into an episode without touching on that. So let's get to it. Let's, let's do it. Let's give the people what they want. Again, we are touching on the week of November 5th to November 11th. And I'll lead us off this week. You took the reins last week. Um, see what you got, Brian. What's sure. Your first one? So it is November 5th. We're going back, back, back. 1995. Going back, back, back. All the way to November 5th, 1995. 28 years ago. Art Modell officially announced that the Cleveland Browns were moving to Baltimore, Maryland. So um, this controversy, uh, also known as the move by Cleveland fans, was a controversy that arose during the 1995 NFL season in which the then owner of the Browns, Art Modell, announced that he had intended to move the Browns to the uh, from its longtime home of Cleveland to Baltimore. So they had been in Cleveland for... I mean, it had been a couple decades at this point, I believe. Um, yeah, they were a team that started in, what, like the 60s or so? Yeah, they had been around. Um, let me see. It looks because like Jim it, Brown is the most famous Brown that sticks out to me. Yeah, and he played, I mean, in the 60s. So they've been around. Um, Art Modell decided that it was time to leave. He wanted to move them to Baltimore because um, of the quality of the stadium in Cleveland at the time. And he did not want to build a new one. Um, so he said, hey, I'm going to move to Baltimore. The poor millionaire couldn't afford a new stadium. Uh, different wow, t- wow. different times, Tom. He only had a few million dollars. Yeah, compared to the billionaires couple. of today. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, after news broke, there was uh, legal actions taken by the city of Cleveland, as well as Browns season ticket holders that led the NFL to broker a compromise in which Modell agreed to return the Browns franchise to the league. So what this meant is that um, it's stipul- the Agreement stipulated that the Browns franchise, including its history, records, and intellectual property, were to remain in Cleveland. Um, so that's why the Browns are still the Browns today, even though there was there would then be a hiatus from 1996 to 1999. Um, in exchange, the NFL agreed to grant Art Modell a new franchise in Baltimore, which would go on to be the Ravens we know today. Crazy to think of them as a, an expansion team. I feel like for some reason they just seem like they've been uh, part of the history of the league for so long now, but I mean, I guess it is twenty. Well, the, they were originally the Baltimore Colts, correct? Like that was the original, <sighs> so that was team, the original in team in Baltimore. Yes, which is a relocation um, story all of its own because that happened kind of overnight. That um, they up and moved from Baltimore to Indy. That's a whole story we could definitely touch on. I think we did talk about it briefly at one point, um, but definitely would be a fun one to touch back on. Um, but, yes, yeah, so this was the new team in Baltimore, which would go on to be the Ravens, named after Edgar Allan Poe uh, and his 
poem of the Raven. Um, so a classic, by the way. Yeah, it's if you're into poetry or Edgar Allan Poe, even if you're not, read it, educate yourself. It's fun. To be or not to be. That not is Edgar Allan Poe. That is William Shakespeare. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tom. I, they, I paid attention to English back in tenth grade. All right, Tom, our local poet. Um, <laughs> I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. Oh God, that goes back to fifth grade as well. Um, so. What happened here was the NFL agreed to grant Modell a new franchise in Baltimore, which would go on to be the Ravens. Um, all the while, the city of Cleveland agreed to build an NFL-caliber venue to replace the aging Cleveland Stadium. So they demolished the stadium in the beginning of 1996 and built a new sta- new stadium on the same site. Um, now, after this, um, the move to Baltimore just set off a flurry of similar threats and actual moves in the NFL. Uh, there were 12 new stadiums built throughout the NFL in the aftermath of this. The Seahawks, Buccaneers, Bengals, Lions, Cardinals, and Bears use the threat of moving to co- coerce their respective cities to build new stadiums with public funds. I don't agree with that. Dang, um, that's like what the, the public, Sixers are trying to do right now. Yeah, the, well, not the Sixers, but Joshua Harris. Yes. Trying to go to Chinatown. The public spends so much money going to these games, and then to ask for tax money on top is BS. Um, I'm not loving the bills are doing that right now. Um, the state of New York has given them like $800 million. It's the most tax subsidies any team has ever received. It's ridiculous. Bills fans spend so much money on that franchise. I digress. I can go on. I mean, New York has a high tax rate, so it's not surprising they have all that money just chilling there. Yeah, I don't know where it's coming from, but it's chilling there. Um, So Modell's team was actually one of four that moved between the 95 and 97 seasons. Um, L.A. lost both of its teams for the 95 season as the Raiders went back to Oakland. And the Rams moved to St. Louis, where I personally believe they should still be today. And this is when the Oilers moved to Tennessee as well. So there was a lot of... Uh, they moved to Tennessee and became the Titans in 99. So there was a lot of turnover, a lot of change in the NFL early in our lives. I mean, we were too young to know what was going on. But, I mean, this was 20, 23, 24 years ago that all of this happened. So um, very interesting. You know, I can only imagine as a big-time fan of your team, the threat of being moved. I lived it as a Bills fan. Uh, There's a lot of talk of Toronto for a long time. Um, and then the uh, Rochester Nighthawks and Major League Lacros- or National League Lacrosse, National Lacrosse League. Um, there's a whole saga with that. Um, it's not fun. I So I really feel for these teams who have lost their – or fans who have lost their teams. And, uh, yeah, screw Art Modell. Well, actually, not screw him. The Cleveland got their team back, but not because of him. So – that's the story or the brief summarization of shout out to the Browns fans for making sure the team stayed there. Yeah, man. Um, a lot of respect to, to you guys for sticking through it for so many years. Um, maybe less though if you stuck through the Deshaun Watson nonsense. <laughs> well, All right, we should Tom. probably just move on to November seventh, nineteen sixty three. Then, yeah, that's a good date. Uh, Elston Howard, catcher for the New York Yankees, he becomes the first African American player in the American League to ever win the MVP. So while Jackie Robinson was the first African-American to win MVP in the NL, that was back in 1947. So he won it for those Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, Elston that year, he received 89% of the votes to win the award, so he won it rather easily. Um, That season, he had a wins above replacement, a.k.a. war, of 5.2. So he hit 287, had an on-base percentage of 342, slugged 528. I wouldn't say they're like outstanding numbers, Maybe he was. I've never heard of the guy before. Solid, for, but solid in general, but solid for a catcher. Yeah, so I'm guessing he probably was a pretty solid like defensive catcher as well. Probably. But then there was like a who's who that finishes behind him. Yeah, this is a list. Um, Al Kaline, <laughs> uh, Whitey Ford. He's actually a pitcher. He finished third that year in the 
MVP award, Harmon Killebrew, and then Carl Yastrzemski. So all Hall of Famers. Yeah, that is quite the list. Um, shout out to Elson Howard for winning that. I mean, he didn't have the highest war that season either for an MLB player. That was actually in the AL, I should say. Bob Allison of the Minnesota Twins had 7.4. I've never heard of Bob Allison before. Have you, Brian? No, I have not, actually. So he had, let's see, he had 35 homers that season, 91 RBIs, 143 hits, 99 runs scored, hit 271, 378 on base, 533 slugging. And his war was 7.4, about two full points higher than Elston Howard. Well, this takes me, this is exactly like the story I told last week about Lou Gehrig winning the Triple Crown, where he won one league in batting average home runs and RBIs, and he lost the MVP voting to a catcher manager combo who had two home runs and batted like 280. I mean, Harmon so. Killebrew, he hit 45 homers, had 96 RBIs, but he only hit 258 that season. So maybe that's where it was like, eh, you don't deserve it. No, he'd be a, a stud in this day and age, but yeah, that'd be a close to a, he'd be a three hundred million dollar player with that kind well, of. It's kind of wild when you when you really look at that stat though is, um, on that list of Elson Howard, Al Kaline, Whitey Ford, Harmon Killebrew, and Carl Yastrzemski, the MVPs the only went out in the Hall of Fame. All four, all all four of those other guys are Hall of Fame. Yeah, I say I didn't think elston howard was like i said this is the first time i've heard of him always interesting to find new stories i've never heard of before so that's why we love this but i think that he edged out four other hall of famers for an award in 1963 just shows i guess how good of a year he actually had i um i definitely think he uh i've heard the name i just don't know so yeah looking at this like he had Crazy years, crazier defensively, won the gold glove, stuff like that. So that makes more sense. But yeah, so it probably checks out then that as to why he won the award then for MVP. If he was that good of a defensive catcher, it all checks out and kind of brings it all together. For sure, for sure. Well, hey, great pack, Tom. Appreciate you sharing that because that's kind of cool. I I was not familiar with that that story. Um, And that, yeah, that list of the who's who he beat out. I have a a soft soft for LK line. He was one of those. I told you about the Hall of Fame autographs I got. He was one of those the guys that actually sent one back, so appreciate that. Shout out Al. to Al. Pretty sure he's long gone at this point, but thanks, Al. So what do you got next then for me, Brian? Up next, I'm sticking with the theme of franchise conversations, franchise news. Um, November um, something. Uh, <laughs> here we go. November 11th. Um, let me get That's better than now. November something. Yep, November 11, 1997. Uh, the NHL's new Columbus franchise announced that their team name would be the Blue Jackets. Um, again, I find this interesting. Um, just shows that era of expansion in sports. Columbus is not exactly a big market. I mean, really, it's Ohio State. Um, and then they got the Jack Blue Jackets, and they got the Crew in Major League Soccer. Um, but the I picked this because it was interesting about how. The name Blue Jackets came around from a name the team contest. I feel like that's kind of traditionally what happens when new teams start. There's a contest to name the team, uh, but people vote and whatnot. The Blue Jackets were named um, after the, the soldiers uh, in the Union Army during the Civil War, and as well as the fact that a number of those blue uniforms were uh, manufactured in the Cincinnati area. Um, so this name was decided based on a name a team contest that was held with the help of Wendy's throughout central Ohio during the month of August of 1997. 
The franchise received over 14,000 entries, and with the help of the NHL, narrowed the list down to 10 names. Uh, then when the information received from the owner the, uh, regarding the, the Blue Jet Columbus's history, the league, uh, the league and franchise narrowed the list of potential names down to two. Tom, they were between the Blue Jackets and Justice. The Columbus Justice. Well, um, I think they made the right pick. Yeah. I don't know what else to through say. Through and through. Columbus Justice. Awful name. <laughs> uh, or awful name. So <laughs> I mean, that, that is brutal. That's that's really what they came up with? Yeah. They couldn't do better than that? Well, the thing is, they did do better than that. Some of the other finalists, I wasn't able to find a list of the final 10, but I was able to find some confirmed names, one of which was the Explorers. Not great. Man. Better. The Mad Cows, which was a corporate publicity stunt. Um, but then my personal favorite was the Columbus Silverbacks. One, because I don't know how there's not a professional sports team with a gorilla as a mascot beyond the Phoenix Suns actual mascot being a gorilla. But also, like, it's the home of Harambe. Ah, well, R.I.P. R.I.P. to Harambe, but, I mean, you had the built-in mascot, and then you guys went... That still chokes me up from time to time. Yeah, but the Silverbacks, I just think would be really cool from the perspective of aesthetics. I think having a gorilla mascot logo theme whatever would be so cool i like those kind of off base like i random. really really like the seattle kraken jerseys yeah big time big time so i think like you know if you can see something really cool like uh really cool gorilla silverback uh something about that just really stands out to me and i'm a i'm a fan maybe we can start a petition for the columbus fans <laughs> hey guys name from the blue jackets hey guys my name is brian this is tom we're not columbus blue jackets fans but we i need a new team name we have a better team name for you hopefully they listen i mean hey it was a finalist at least so i would say that it has a chance close enough so you're saying there's a chance brian i'm saying there's a chance tom last but not least we got one more story for these fine folks on this chilly november day yeah, so we're going to go back to November 10th, 1985. A rather tragic day, honestly, in the world of sports. Um, yeah, and this is not a depressing story, why don't you, Tom? Yeah, sorry, but especially here in the Philadelphia area. Um, so fl- former Flyers goalie Pelly Lindbergh um, unfortunately crashes Porsche into a retaining wall in Somerdale, New Jersey after a team party. He suffered mortal injuries and along with two passengers that were critically hurt during the accident. Um, so when Lindbergh's family arrived from Sweden... They made the choice to take him off of life support, ultimately ending Pelly's life. Um, now, it is a shame when anyone dies. I'm not trying to take away from that or downplay it here, but this is one of the ultimate what-ifs in sports history. Because Pelly, he actually was like an outstanding goalie, wasn't he? wasn't just like some like middle-of-the-road player. And his tragic death set the franchise back a few years in terms of the goaltending spot um, until about two or three years later when Ron Hextall came along as a rookie. So the year before uh, the 1984-1985 season, they lost in the Stanley Cup Finals to the Edmonton Oilers, which, no surprise, that's like the height of Wayne Gretzky. Might be the, getting close the, to the prime of Wayne Gretzky. Might be the greatest hockey franchise era in hockey history. Yeah, so they lose four games to one. So, hey, they got one. Yeah, nothing wrong <laughs> that's with that. A, they're a throw parade for that. Might as well. Um, <laughs> so the team that year had championship aspirations heading into it, into the 1985-1986 season, hoping to build off what the previous season had in store for them. But unfortunately, I imagine this probably took a big toll on the players that season. Um, they had a great year in the regular season, finished with over 100 points, won the division, but they did not win a single round in the NHL playoffs come the springtime. Uh, they lost in the first round to the Rangers three games to two in a best-of-five series. So was this accident midseason? 
Yes. Oh, so geez. it would have been about like 10 games into the season. I guess, yeah, that makes sense. It was November. Yeah. It's a real oh. shame. I mean, he was, like I said, he was a very good goalie. It's not like he was just some sort of middle-of-the-road, like, fourth-line player that got scratched every couple games sure. because he wasn't good. I mean, he had a great career. It's a shame it, it definitely came to an end way too soon. Um, oh. let's, and he's only 26 years old, too, it's at the a time ca- of the it's accident. A- it, um, it's unfortunate. It's a cautionary tale to be smart, be safe when you're on the road. Pay attention to the road. Yeah, but. so, I mean, it was only his fifth year in the NHL the previous year in that 1984-1985 season. He went 40-17 and then seven games that ended a tie. Had a 8.99 save percentage, which was honestly probably pretty good back in that day considering yeah, it was like bad. high scoring. Super high scoring NHL. era, yeah. I mean, only allowing three goals a game. When Wayne Gretzky was, like, averaging that on his own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Gretzky was putting up ridiculous point totals. And then to start the season, it was eight games in. He was 6-2 and two with a 8.85 save percentage and 2.88 goals against average. He yeah. was shut out in that time frame. So he was playing well. It's a shame. I mean, there's really nothing else to say. Like, he won the Vezina the year before, too. Oh, wow. In 80-45, so... Yeah, you hate it, to it see. It truly is a what if as like what would have happened with that Flyers team because a couple years later they met the Edmonton Oilers again in the Stanley Cup Finals to lose in seven games. So it's like... Been, who, know, who knows what could have been. And that was the year that Ron Hexall was a rookie goalie in the league too. Like if it's Pelly Lindbergh at the age of 27, 28. Who knows? Maybe yeah. the Flyers have a Stanley Cup compared to the last time being in the 1975-1976 season. Yeah. That sucks. You never love to, you never like to hear about someone uh someone's life getting time getting cut short and not gonna see their full potential as a person and uh obviously, you know, in the world of sports that's I think more amplified than ever. Uh, yeah, because it's such a short time that you have at the professional sports level. Yeah. Maybe some guys only are in there for a couple of years, other guys are very lucky to have a twenty plus year career like a Tom Brady. But those are obviously the Rules to the exception. Most guys are probably in major sports leagues for five years at most. I think with the NFL average, like three to four. Yeah, it's not. It's not a whole lot. There's guys that literally get one game in the in their pro league, and then that's it for their whole career. They I'd just, be ecstatic with one pro game. Listen, I feel like that's because that's what you work for in the long run. I feel like once making the league is like the goal, and then from there, it's do you have the motivation and drive to keep pushing. Because you've been working so hard and so long through your whole life growing up to get to that point. It's the guys that stick around, the guys that you see getting the plaques and the busts and getting enshrined. Those are the ones who that drive stays. I feel like a lot of guys, they they get a little bit of that money, a little bit of that fame. But then that's all they need. That's all they want. Yeah, well, I put in that hard work, especially if you came from, like, not much at all growing up either. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And you get that big first contract. You might can't be tell me nothing. Yeah, I feel like that's why a lot of the, to me, the best contracts in sports are NFL because of like only so much of it is guaranteed where MLB is like the opposite where you get fully guaranteed contracts. Yeah. So like if you sign a five-year deal in the NFL, say for $100 million, and only 40 of it's guaranteed, you still got to work for that extra yeah, 60. Yeah, from from, or at least like I think contracts should be more incentive-laden um, yeah, like rather than just doled out like, i guess i understand guys wanting guaranteed money but like your pools, you sound like a 10-year like 250 million dollar contract when you're like 31 yeah. it's like sweet i don't have to like worry about it anymore yeah you're good you're golden you can literally just go you, got, you don't got to do a whole lot and 
You know, that's when it bothers me when these guys like complain they're not making enough money and this and that because you're making so much more than the average person just to play a sport for a living. And but it, like, I know we say like lately, like to play a sport, it is their whole life. Like they have to train all the time. They got to watch the video. Yeah, they got to work out. But like, yeah, but they're getting paid millions of dollars. You could. I would love to do that. You could get paid a hundred thousand dollars if if we had never blown this out of proportion like that. You can pay them one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and they'd be. The, they'd still be just as happy, but because the economy of sports has gone so nuts, they're getting the money they're getting. And, um, you know, so for me, it's one of those things where it's just, I think you need to make it incentive laden and make it worth their time. Like, you know, you don't do any of the above. You get, I, I hate to even say only 1 million. I would love to have $1 million. You only get a million dollars, but say, Hey, you do I'll take the league minimum. Yeah. Say, Hey, you average 20 points a game. Well, I'm just all of a sudden going basketball, 20 points a game or eight assists a game. And for each one you hit, Here's an extra eight million. Here's an extra five million. <laughs> you, you know the numbers we're gonna see? It'd be crazy. Yeah, guys guys would be much more motivated than they already are. Yeah, for sure. It's and a shame because Brian, you and I, we loved we love sports. We sure. played sports growing up through high school. Yeah. Didn't make it past high school. I played a little bit of something in college, but Yeah, I mean we played recreationally in college <laughs> yeah, called yeah. sports, but yeah, we sport did I not play as an eighteen year old. Anything professionally? No, or not even close. Division one, even division two or three. Play club sports. D two club, baby. Nothing wrong with club sports. Shout out to club sports. No, out there. they are awesome. They're a great, great thing. So I mean, I think Brian, we're getting close to the end of our episode here tonight. It's been quite the episode. We've covered a lot of topics so far. We sure have been all over the place. I mean, I like it. That's what makes. Oh us yeah, great. that's. I love it. I mean, just kind of let it let it rip, and that's part of why you know. Just to kind of peel back the veil a little bit for those of you that are listening. That's kind of why we changed the format a little bit. We got some feedback from some of you guys, which is what I say. I mean it when we we listen to what you guys say. Um, that like the real story heavy format was just felt a little too rigid and not as conversational. And I think I agree Very with informative, it. but sure. Yeah, I think banks what we got going on here work is we have a very good back and forth. Sure. I mean, hey, when you spend six plus years honing it over beers and bars and parties and whatnot you know it, it translates well and it i might I think, as well put a microphone in front of us yeah i think we kind of handcuffed ourselves with the uh the full story format i love and like in the end i was talking to this today with about this today with my boss actually he's like wow you really are like a sports guy huh and i didn't really fully know what he meant by that but i was like yeah you know what i am but the big thing is it's i love watching the current stuff and whatnot but I love the history of the games. There's something about the history of baseball. Yeah, just learning about history each and every time. I'm a history fan. In general, I love learning about the history of the world. Yeah, but, me too. But I almost went to college for a uh, teacher, like to be a teacher of history. I could see that. I could actually very much see you being a, a teacher. But I, don't, I straight you have the from deme- that. You have the demeanor for it. I don't. I, I don't have the patience. Uh, and you definitely do. Yeah, in one ear, out the <laughs> other. Whatever. Um, but I... Uh, I don't know. There's just like it combines history with something I love, which is sports. Sports has brought me so much joy and so much joy and so much pain and so much happiness and heartbreak. And it allows you to ride that roller coaster of emotion. Um, and it's like, I just, there's something about it. Like these are the guys I looked up to as kid, as a kid. And now I'm watching guys that I feel like are kids, that are not our, our kids, but our kids like 18 years old. And yeah, especially in the NHL. Cause I feel like that's the league that, has the youngest talent right there with the NBA since they have to do at least one year in college yeah. these days or play overseas, overseas or, or something. League. Yeah. At least college kids they can come like right out of high school or like 19 years old and you're playing in the NBA. 
Yeah, that's scary. Jesus. I mean, I think I'd be more afraid of the NHL because of how fast you move and how like how like, some of those guys are. Oh yeah, there'd be a very difference between twenty thirty year old me and eighteen year old me out there on that ice. Grant, I probably would have been more physically prepared for it at eighteen. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, knowing yeah. that I'm playing hockey all yeah, the yeah, time yeah, and sure. training for the potential of building, making the NHL. Yeah, you're building your body up towards that for sure, but I don't know. But, Brian, real quick, I know we're getting out here very sure. shortly. We did not talk about the beer we were drinking tonight. We did not. We got the Lancaster Brewing Company, their Oktoberfest. We do. We've been on the kick of the Oktoberfest. Uh, yeah. This one is very drinkable. It's almost like a light beer. has a very, very good light. flavor to it. Good malt. What is that? Five point. Five, yeah, sorry, a little dark with that can there. Five point five, very cool can. That's what drew me to it. Has yeah. the couple ones that some lines on there. Got the blue and white checkers. It's all. I mean, it's the, it's the German. It's the Oktoberfest, like blue and white flag, and it's a. I mean, really, just solid, drinkable. Like, I, it's the kind of beer I could see like being in those big steins at Oktoberfest. Yeah, you got the Das Boot. And you're like, Super light. Um, shout out to us when we cracked these beers right before we started and took a sip they were super carbonated one of the most carbonated beers i've seen in a while we both took a sip and we were belching uh, pretty profu- pretty proficiently yeah i thought this was gonna be a tough episode yeah to i think there's been one or two off uh, off to the side that if we had cameras you would have seen but i'm surprised it definitely toned toned down a little bit maybe uh, it was just that first one i don't know but i do think also i i would think these um are not like the coldest right now yeah it might play a part in it I think if they were a little bit colder, I think they would be, honestly, it would uh, bring out the flavor a little bit more. It's got yeah, a I little. I think it was on draft too. It would be much better. I'm a fan, though, overall. Like, it's it's solid. Yeah, we'll get it again. Nice light beer, but, like, has a lot more flavor to it than, um, you know, like. I uh, mean, I'm not one to complain about the beer I drink either. So I guess you're asking the wrong person. No, but I think if you're, like, a fan of, like, a Yingling, um, that kind of amber style lager, this is going to be kind of up your alley. Yeah, right up your alley for sure. So. Um, so, Brian, I know we're here at the end. So let's make sure we give all the people. Oh, yes. The reason to follow us, follow us at Going Back Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Check yep. us out on Spotify. Yep. We post our stuff from rss.com, which then gets you to Spotify and however else you want to stream it. We are on other uh, streaming services. I don't know which ones off the top of my head because as far as I yeah, know, just people goes, like, use. straight to them. But most people use Spotify these yeah. days. Yeah, but most people are on Spotify. Like us, rate us. Uh, we're sitting at a 4.9. Still not confused. Whoever, hey, if you didn't rate us the 5, just let us know why. We want to know. Yeah, we, if we it was a 4, we're not mad about it. Just listen, we're a couple let us of, know what we can do differently. We're a, cus- a couple of customer service professionals by day. We, uh, we're we here to... And record a podcast at night. Yeah, we'll record a podcast at night. You know, we're, we're human too. We want to make, make this what you want to hear. So let us know. If you uh, want to rate us bad before you do, just let us know why. Let us change it. Follow us going back by uh, at going back pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tom, you uh, dropped the quote last week. Yeah. That answer was stepbrothers. I love you. Stay golden pony boy. Stay golden pony boy. You had that one, Brian. I sure did. So I got another one for you before we get out of here real quick. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Catch you all next week on going back, back, back. (laughs) See you next week.